The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of evil Fonzie to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the appeal to force, also known as appeal to the stick, appeal to the cudgel, and argumentum ad baculum. So the appeal to force is basically dismissing arguments, not not even trying to argue, but instead just using a threat of force or pressure that you can exert on someone to try and get them to come around to your way of thinking. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not enough just to to be a threat. It's not, you know, if you if you attack someone or say you're going to attack them, that's not a fallacy. Mm. It's yep. where it's used in the place of an argument, really, or, or where it's used to try and convince someone to, to go along with you. Right. Yeah. So for our first example from Trump, we have a uh, an interview that he did with Breitbart, I think a couple of years ago now, 2017, mm-hmm. where he said, you know, the left plays a tougher game. It's very funny. I actually think that the people on the right are tougher, but they don't play it tougher, okay? I can tell you, I have the support of the police, the support of the military, the support of the bikers for Trump. I have the tough people, but they don't play it tough until they go to a certain point, and then it would be very bad, very bad. So all of that bike, bikers, for, bikers Trump. for Trump. That's kind of yeah. the, the whole list of you know the, the police aren't enough, the military isn't enough. <laughs> what you need is a bunch of outlaws, or the notion of a bunch of outlaws. You know, I, I can imagine there's like Marlon Brando sitting astride a hog <laughs> that he's referring to. Yeah, yeah. If that's not enough, I've got the support of bikers for Trump. Yeah, and he's well, saying they don't. They're not tough. They don't play it tough. Until they get to a certain point and then it would be bad. So that, I mean, that's definitely a threat, isn't it? That is saying if, if, you know, if you push us, we'll fight back and we have power, we have police, military. Yeah. It's, um, he's, he is, he's saying, you know, it's the kind of the response to you and whose army is like, well, this literally the army. Yeah, yeah, all of these guys, yeah, and they're fine. They're very nice people until they get to a certain yeah, point. Don't make you know, it's like Suicide Squad, and you go, yeah, all the <laughs> the dirty dozen. You go, yeah, they're fine. They're, they're very nice people until you get to a certain point, and there, there's no, you know, there's that kind of it's a veiled threat mm-hmm. implied in there, you know, and there's no knowing when that certain point will be reached. Yeah, no, it's but always, you're getting very vague, close to it. Like- yeah. And and it's also plausible deniability because he can just say, well, we've just got these supporters and, you know, they may look tough, but they're not. They don't act tough until you push them. And I'm not saying you're pushing them, but, you know, and he's not he's not coming out with a direct threat. Like, I'm going to come around your house. I know where you live. 
he's not he's not doing that because he's like the the bully's mate in the playground. He's Draco Malfoy with Crab and Goyle behind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's basically what yeah. He is. Yeah, he he just shakes his fist and goes, yeah, <laughs> like that, behind the other guy so that he doesn't get punched or uh, or drafted to go and serve in the army in Vietnam. Yeah, he'll go, well, I would, except, you know, it's Miss Spurs. So our second example from Trump is from a tweet from November of 2018 when uh, this is obviously just after the midterms and the House had flipped to the Democrats and so mm. they were going to be starting to use their congressional committees to investigate all of the stuff that, that Trump had been doing in the first half of his term. <laughs> and yep. uh, obviously Trump didn't like that. So he tweeted, if the Democrats think that they're going to waste taxpayer money investigating us at the House level, then we will likewise be forced to consider investigating them for all the leaks of classified information and much else at the Senate level to complete at that game. So <laughs> basically he's saying, if you're going to waste taxpayer money investigating us, we'll waste taxpayer money investigating you. <laughs> Which yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. Great. Exactly and what it, wanted in president. <laughs> and in the, and it, part of the um, appeal to force is that he's kind of, uh, he, he's put, we will be forced to do this. It, the implication is we don't want to do this. Yeah, you're making us but, do this. But you're making us do it. Yeah. You know, you wouldn't want to push us. <laughs> yeah, they're like it's a, it's another version of the thing before of saying, you know, they don't play it tough until they get to a certain point. You know, and if you could carry on doing this, we will be forced against our better judgment. Yeah. It's, and uh, so absolutely. there's the implication is it's your fault. And what he's saying doing this. in this tweet, basically, obviously he's trying to get them to not investigate him. <laughs> um, yeah. by, by threatening them with investigations. But he's he's saying that their investigations are a waste of, of taxpayer money and presumably time and effort and all that stuff. Um, and he is saying that if you do it, we will investigate you. So either he's saying we're going to investigate you just for nonsense that we can make up, or he's saying yeah. you've done stuff, but we won't investigate you for it if you don't investigate us. That's yeah. really the only two ways of reading it, because otherwise, yeah. if there's something to investigate, as the as the president who has control of the Senate, they should be investigating stuff, if there's stuff that's happened. Yeah, if, yeah. yeah. If <laughs> that's they're right. not going to do it in exchange for not getting investigated themselves, that's not a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, there's, so there's another threat in there, which is we know stuff about you <laughs> and we, you know, we won't reveal it if you don't reveal stuff about us. I mean, that which seems is, to be what he's yeah. saying, yeah, basically. Yeah. Because otherwise, he, he's either saying there's stuff you've done that is worth investigating or he's saying we're going to investigate you even though we know there isn't stuff there. Yeah, so. yeah. Either way, and we'll just make and we'll make stuff up. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Either way, it's either it's no good. And now is the time I think for Mark's British politics corner. Well, as for with the last episode, I was hunting about trying to find MPs who will just come out and say, "Unless you do this, we will do that," or "I will force you to do it by calling upon my big mates with sticks." But Boris hasn't got to that point yet, and uh, even Pretty Patel, who's the new 
Home Secretary, who's recently done a whole bunch of stuff about prisons and law and order and uh, migrants and so forth. She's quite sort of tough in her stance. She hasn't actually come out and said, we're going to just do this or unless you stop doing that, I've got these big friends that will just come around your house and and glare through the windows at you. She hasn't got that far yet. And even Sajid Javid, who is that, who is the kind of the stick wielding guy, he hasn't done any of that either. So I've had to turn to the the one guy who's spent his entire career doing that, a friend of the show, Nigel Farage. So here I've got a kind of, um, I've been a bit cheeky and instead of having two clips, I've got one A, B and C, but it also gives us the history of Nigel Farage's frustration at the way things are going. And I think he's still being frustrated currently because what he termed uh, recently as bringing about an earthquake in British politics, which has led to the Tory party becoming more right-wing in order to continue to garner his voting support to make sure that they don't lose support to his party. Um, and that's kind of frustrating his efforts. So, th- so the three clips go from 2016 to 2017 to 2019. So the first clip is from the 6th of November 2016. So not long after the referendum vote, so it's in the autumn of that year, and he says this. If the people in this country think that they're going to be cheated, they're going to be betrayed, then we will see political anger, the likes of which none of us in our lifetimes have ever witnessed in this country. The temperature of this is very very high. Now, I'm going to say to everybody watching this who was on the Brexit side, you know, let's, let, let's try and get even. What he's saying is, if people think that you can get away with not doing Brexit, then the mob are going to rise up. Yeah. And he also p- puts in there, well, I, so I'm telling you, he's on the Andrew Marr show on the Sunday afternoon, so Sunday morning political show on BBC so he knows he's got a big audience um, and he recently ranted at the BBC because they kept asking him questions that he didn't want to answer and so he knows he's got an audience is both anti-politics and anti-BBC and they are pro-Brexit and he's saying to them look I'm telling you lot it's time we got even and I don't know what the even against what perhaps there's this notion that we haven't left yet and remain have got the upper hand. But he is this kind of veiled warning that if you don't go through with Brexit, then there will be up, upheaval and uprising and protests the like of which you've never seen. So he's kind of calling upon that, you know, it won't. Get, it won't it might not come to that, but if it does, there are all these people out there. You've got to watch it. Yeah, I mean, part of the threat is kind of, you know, don't let it get this far, isn't it? You know, you won't, mm. you won't mm. like it if it does. So part of the making that threat or making appealing to force is the implication that people think that you are capable of bringing this down upon them and that you are such a powerful figure that you 
quake in the at the very prospect of this happening. And Nigel Farage and Donald Trump, neither of them are those kind of people. Nobody, you know, is uh, in awe of them such that they would change their mind because of the threat, certainly with Nigel Farage, because of the the implied threat in what he's saying. People aren't going to go, oh, yeah, no, absolutely, you're right. They're just going to ask him awkward questions <laughs> on the interview panels. So the second one, this is in March 2017, um, I think this is so. He's he's resigned as the leader of UKIP at this point, and he's still bleating on about Brexit. Uh, he's still a member of the European Parliament, ironically. So this is this had been captured on somebody's phone on a Sunday afternoon in March 2017. But if they don't deliver this Brexit that I spent 25 years of my life working for, then I will be forced to don donkey. Pick up a rifle and head for the front line. So there, there is. So if they don't deliver the Brexit, which he's been working on for twenty five years, so so he's kind of stacking those things up. He said, "I will be forced." Well, nobody's forcing you, Nigel. And even if you are forced to do this, and Don Carkey pick up a rifle and head for the front lines, where is the front line? Yeah. And, and who are you aiming your rifle at? He's like Dad's army. How old is he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. And he's, he's going to be running around shouting, don't panic, <laughs> don't panic. They don't like it of them. <laughs> and, and you think, okay, so it's it's the rhetoric. Of, okay, so what what it is, thinking about it, is that it both Trump and Farage, it's not, a threat against the opposition or the people that are opposing them. What it is, is aimed for the supporters. I figured it out before it happens, but immediately after that, the people, the person holding the phone is involved in this enormous cheer of, yeah! And you think, ah, yeah, this is, it's rabble-rousing talk, isn't it? It's once more unto the breach. It's the... It's standing up and going, right, you know, if he's not saying I am now going to go and shoot somebody with my rifle on the front line, who's with me? He's he's doing the who's with me bit, but he's saying if they, unless they do this, I will go and do that. Yeah. And uh, what was the thing with the school shooting where Trump said, you know, I would have been the first in there. Let me in there, and that—that's it's all for the supporters to say, "Yeah, you're right. You're the hero. You're the you're the guy." Point us to the front line. Where is that? Where are you going to get a rifle? It's all metaphorical nonsense for our benefit in the room. You know, for the predominantly white people who are um, you know, upset with the government because they've been let down over many a year, not least by people like Nigel Farage. Um, and they're yeah, going, yeah, a, you're one of us, you're a, a man of the people. It's a kind of toothless, let's not let them get away with it kind of thing, isn't it? It doesn't yeah. actually have any effect yeah. at all. Yes, exactly. Yeah, down with this sort of thing. <laughs> yes, exactly that. So needless to say, he is back in politics. And on the 12th of April 2019, we've covered it before, um, he launched the Brexit Party, which is, you know, the single issue thing to actually bring about this Brexit. Um, you see if we don't. And he says this. I did say 
that if I ever had to come back into the political fray, next time, it'd be no more Mr. Nice Guy. And I mean it. I do believe that we can win these European elections and that we can again start to put the fear of God into our members of parliament in Westminster. They deserve nothing less than that after the way they've treated us over this betrayal. At what point was he Mr. the nice guy? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the equivalent of, I haven't played it tough yet, but but I'm going to. You know, you think you, you think you yet. Yeah, you see nothing. Yeah. yeah, it's exactly that. Yeah, so it's yeah, no more. It's the nice guy. Yeah, yeah. You want somebody to stand up and go, Nigel? You've you've not ever I've been nice, Mister Arsehole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not even Mister Nasty. Just an ass. Just a frog faced git. And yeah, and let's put the fear of God into those MPs because they've let us down, betrayed us. And you go, what, really? And it's, yeah, so it's just an empty threat. So the the whole appeal to force is actually an empty threat because the people against whom you're saying this are not going to take the blind bit of notice because they're just going to go, yeah, whatever. But the people who are on your side are going to think you're great and strong and mean and tough. So having sneaked in three there, I'm going to sneak in another one. This month, 200 years ago, in 1819, it was the Peterloo Massacre uh, in the UK where 60,000 working-class men, women and children from Manchester and the surrounding towns gathered to demand an end to child labour, low pay and rule by the rich. Um, There was an armed cavalry charge ordered by the ruling government and who killed 18 people. The protests had music and there were speakers talking about these issues. The speakers were subsequently arrested, not the cavalry who killed people. And today, on the anniversary of this, Jeremy Corbyn did a Facebook post to say that there's a direct line from the Peterloo protests to the Labour movement. And he said, it's why we use the slogan for the many, not the few, because that comes from a Percy Bysshe Shelley poem, The Mask of Anarchy, which was written in response to Peterloo about the power people have when they come together for change. And here's Corbyn reading the the lines. Rise like lions after slumber in unvanquishable number. Shake your chains to earth like dew, which in sleep had fallen on you. Ye are many, they are few. So that was at Glastonbury in June 2017 when Corbyn was last very popular with the young. I would suggest that this is just as much an appeal to force as the other stuff. Because what he's saying is, you know, he's calling upon the crowd to uh, shake your chains to earth like dew, which in sleep has fallen on you, because you are the many and they are but few. So you can rise like lions after slumber. And there's a there's a, uh, a Shelley-esque threat in there. Mm-hmm. But it's also a bit of a, a mournful thing because, yeah, the, the many were slain by the few. And 
you know, in, in true poetic stance, it's calling upon the remaining few to take heart because you are the lions. These people are just cowards. The pen is mightier than the sword um, and all that kind of stuff. So I did um, talk about this to my fellow left-leaning people who were quite horrified (laughs) at uh, the fact that I could even be considering that this might be an appeal to force on the part of Corbyn. And I said, do you not think that's just our cognitive bias kicking in because we are left-leaning people and we, you know, Corbyn could do no wrong, frankly. And the answer I got back was, well, no, because I think there's something different between Corbyn quoting a poem that was written at the time versus Farage saying stuff that he's just made up, which I think is probably a bit of a specious argument. Yeah, but, I'm not sure I'm convinced you know. by that. Um, no, I know, because you know when, when Shelley wrote it, it was contemporary with it so it's and for somebody to grab it's a bit like boris johnson recently said uh we're going to do brexit we're going to leave the eu on october 31st do or die which is a quote Mm. from the charge of the light brigade absolutely literally ours is not to reason why yes exactly (laughs) exactly but it's not even do or die it's do and die That's the that's the, he's misquoted it. Yeah, ours is not the reason why ours is but to do and die. So and you think great? That's there's leadership for you. Mm-hmm. But part of the the cognitive bias that I feel my immediate gut feel is, oh Jesus, Boris, what are you doing? That's horrific. Whereas Corbyn quoting this is uplifting and inspirational. I mean, I think there is there is a difference in as much as it is. The oppressed people rising up. Right. In the Peterloo yep. case, it's the it's the the people who have been chained by the, yep. the the powerful few. But yes, there's definitely still a parallel with essentially mm. it's saying that we've we've got the numbers, we can we can win just yeah. because of our numbers. In the same way as Trump is saying we've got the police and the military, and you know if it came to it, well, that's quite would, interesting because I think your your thought about the the oppressed. Uh, people, because I think um, Farage casts himself as the king of the oppressed. Mm. Well, you so know, does he's Trump, th- he? yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, exactly. Because they and the, are the Christian right in America as well are constantly yeah. talking about how persecuted they are, despite the fact that they have so much of the power. Yes, exactly, and and that it's about being identified with the, and by the man in the street to say, yeah, you're, what you're doing is expressing just how we feel. And that's quite interesting. The reason I'm kind of th- I'm thinking as I'm talking about that is because Boris doesn't do that. Yes, I think we've gone to an extreme that we haven't reached before. I think even Cameron was, he, he pretended that he cared yeah. <laughs> about the yeah. working class yeah. better Call me Dave. than Boris yeah. does. Boris yeah. would yeah. just... You know, spout Greek and exactly, yeah, yeah. He does, but it makes no pretense yeah. whatsoever that he represents anyone with less than a public no. school education. No. I'd like to see if this could be a logical fallacy in the wild. I'd write it down and read it out. 
Swaddled by the sea in the wild I'd ask my friends to come and see If this could be a wild There's Ringo and the Beatles there with Octopus's Garden. The one that's so, most yeah. likely to get us sued so far. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's 50 years since Abbey Road came out. So yeah, another box set I'm going to have to buy. And, uh, and you picked so, up yeah, this is Garden. That's a, yeah, yeah, I know. It's, I mean, it's a sublime <laughs> album, but it does have Octopus's Garden on it. Yeah. It's also got Maxwell's Silver Hammer, which is a hateful <laughs> tune. So anyway, yeah. in the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week comes from a, a, a kind of indie sci-fi film from the 70s called Star Wars. Since you are reluctant to provide us with the location of the rebel base, I have chosen to test this station's destructive power on your home planet of Alderaan. No, Alderaan is peaceful. We have no weapons. You can't You will possibly... prefer another target, a military target? Then name the system. I grow tired of asking this, so it'll be the last time. Where is the rebel base? Dantooine. They're on Dantooine. There. You see, Lord Vader, she can be reasonable. So, Tarkin has tried to get Princess Leia to tell him by using reason and by persuasion and uh, eventually defaults to force instead and threatens her entire planet. And the the, the problem also with uh, the appeal to force when you're dealing with the dark side <laughs> is uh, is that they will follow, they do have yeah. the capability of doing you can't trust them. what they say they will do. Yeah, and you can't trust them. And, yeah. you know, the next bit is, of course, they blast the thing out. Let's go, spoiler alert. Sorry, people, if you've not God. seen that. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> blast the damn thing out of the sky. Um, See, so, that's why I cut before that happened, so that people... Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, I've ruined it now. Yeah. I've ruined it. <laughs> God. People have been waiting 52 years for that. Yeah. 42 years. So... Um, our next clip is from another sci-fi film, significantly less iconic. It was the worst Transformers film I'd seen at the time, but then right. I saw the next Transformers <laughs> it's film, been another uh, one The Last Night, which is truly yeah. one of the worst films ever made. But this I don't one think is I've also, seen that one because oh, God, I, I got so fed up with this one. This one was didn't just want to see any diabolical, and I didn't think it could get worse <laughs> from here, but. Um, for some reason, I can keep watching them. So, anyway, this is from Transformers Age of Extinction. Well, we look. They're not here. Let's go. What? Hey, I'm not going anywhere without Tessa. I'm unclear. What's in it for me? What's in it for you? Easy. Let's use words. What's in it for you is I don't kill you. We're getting the boss back. And the girl. Copy. Okay, okay. Very persuasive. So, two um, Autobots are having an argument over whether they should just abandon their mission to, to rescue Optimus Prime and Mark Wahlberg's daughter or not. And the one played yeah. by John Goodman uses the persuasive technique of saying, if, you, if we do it, I don't kill you. So, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. He's specifically asking for an argument. The, the first Transformer, he's saying, you know, what's in it for me? He's asking to be yeah. persuaded in a way. And, yeah, yeah. And uh, the big fat John Goodman one, uh, whose name I with can't the, even remember now. is no, um, With the with cigar. With cigar, and the, the, yeah. And, and the chainy, chain beard, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why does he have a cigar? Because when he gets transformed back into a, whatever he is, some mm. vehicle, is that like the chimney? They kind of stopped in after the first one making any sense of oh, what okay. bits turn into <laughs> what other bits. Um, right. The, yeah. <laughs> it was in the 80s cartoons, it was very clear, and in the toys. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, they, they started just kind of being able to scan new things and just transform into them oh, and just turn into those oh, okay. bits they had yeah and yeah. and then in uh, once stanley tucci's character in this one gets involved in making new transformers with a product they call transformium then right. it just Not seems products, to be transforming on a kind of molecular yeah. level and there's no reason for them oh, to be okay. um well either robots or vehicles at any given point is just oh it's such it appalling be- nonsense <laughs> As as um, don't try and as explain. Trey Parker and Matt Stone like said in in uh, Team America, why does Michael Bay get to keep on making movies? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. He's kind of held up in in high regard by I don't know by by who, by but the yeah, Bay family. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going. Yeah, that Michael. He keeps himself busy. He's off there playing with his toys. He sure can explode making, you know, things. He sure can. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody, as well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Yeah, and if you don't let me win this week, well, I, you know, I won't be responsible for what might happen. <laughs> Yeah, so where am I? I'm you're on, twelve. You're on forty percent at the moment. Twelve. Forty percent. Good round number. Yes. Lovely. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I've got to recoup some of my losing, uh, winning streak. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems so long ago now. Yeah. Yeah. So our theme. Well, we, it's not really a theme as such for this week. It's but mm. but all of these are from a an interview that Trump did with Sean Hannity um, in July of this year. Right. So. It was quite a weird rambling interview. So, yeah, they're not, they're not on a particular topic. Uh, the first one is in response to a question about Google being kind of anti-Trump. And he says, mm-hmm. because of what I stand for and represent, and nobody has ever had, I think, 93%. It came out the other day, 93%. And I'm talking about stories that should be good. They make them bad or should be great. They make them like neutral. And yet I won and I'll win again. So when they say it's the most powerful, it may be, but they were against me. Facebook was against me. They were all against me. Mm-hmm. It's a bit, that's a bit um, infamy, infamy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Number two is we have a huge problem in this country. And the truth is that it's very sad and frankly kind of disgusting. And I call it hate. I don't know another word for it. The hate coming from the left is so strong. It doesn't matter how great I am or how great I make America. <laughs> they just fight me at every turn. And they have all these made-up reasons for hating me. First it was Russia, now it's racism. (laughs) Right. And number three, this is in response to Sean Hannity just saying that there's a lot of kind of dirt and filth in American cities. And Trump says... Oh, right. 
It's a phenomenon that started two years ago. It's disgraceful. I'm going to maybe, and I'm looking at it very seriously, we're doing some other things that you probably noticed, like some of the very important things that we're doing now, but we're looking at it very seriously because you can't do that. You can't have what's happening where police officers are getting sick just by walking the beat. That's great, isn't it? Where he just kind of engages his mouth whilst his brain runs around opening doors to find something to say. Wow. I'm going to maybe, and I'm looking over and see we're doing some other things. You probably noticed like some of the very important things that we're doing now. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, that's very convincing. Either that or it's very well observed on your part and made up superbly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, who's probably in the country? First is Russia, now it's racism. I, I would like that one not to be real, but I suspect that it is. It's very it's a huge problem, and it's hate. I don't know, the hate coming from the left. Mm. That's a, that's that's a old Trump switcheroo there. Mm, okay, and the Facebook was against me. They're all against me. Okay, <laughs> right. I think that. Uh, I think number two is the one you made up. Okay, so of the other two, which do you think is more plausible? I think number one is more plausible. Okay, so number one is... Yeah. Yeah. Real. Because of what I stand for, represent, uh, and nobody's ever had, I think 93%, it came out the other day, 93%. And I'm talking about stories that should be good, they make them bad, or should be great, they make them like neutral. And yet I won, and I'll win again. So when they say it's the most powerful, it may be, but uh, they were against me. Facebook was against me. They were all against me. And yet, that's what? It's just so, he really does that whole thing, you know, well, they should be good, but they make them bad. And yet I won. Yeah. And I'll win again. I don't know what he's talking about with 93%. No. I don't know. No, where the hell did that I come from? I mean, it's from? not in context. Like 93% so, of people that don't like it. I mean, there is no context. No. I haven't taken it out of context. No. There wasn't no. a context. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, no. Yeah. It's just a number that he latches onto, or you just made up. I, I think it's, yeah, it came I think, out the other day. 93%. 93% came out the other day. Yeah. Where? What? <laughs> because of what I stand for and represent, nobody has ever had, I think, 93%. No, not even you. <laughs> Uh, well, they should be good, they make them bad, or they should be great, and they make them, like, neutral. And yet I won. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. they're all against me, that whole bit. <laughs> they're against me. me. Yeah. They're all against me. That's, you know, so, yeah. And he, he, will, he will go down, <laughs> you know, with the ship or in the burning White House. He would just, he will maintain his innocence and say everyone else is against him. It's nothing to do with him. Yeah. Well, yeah. As as it as we slide into recession, he will continue to say mm. everything's fine and it's great. It's everything's fine. It's all fine here. Yeah. yeah. I'm opening up a new shop in yeah. wherever. Yeah, China. So yeah. you also think that number three is uh, real, and number three is yeah, yeah, real. It's Ooh. a phenomenon that started two years ago. 
it's disgraceful. I'm going to maybe, and I'm looking at it very seriously, we're doing some other things, as you probably noticed, like some of the very important things that we're doing now. But we're looking at it very seriously because you can't do that. You can't have what's happening where police officers are getting sick just by walking the beat. <laughs> That's, he just does that sentence just how I imagined he would. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to maybe, what? I'm going to maybe what? I'm looking at it very seriously, what? We're doing some <laughs> other things you probably know, just like some of the very important things that we're doing now. Yeah, some of the things we're doing wow. are some of the things that we're doing. Yeah. yeah, some other things. Those are some of the things. Those like things we're doing. Some of the things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. It's just so single-syllable stuff, <laughs> isn't it? It's awful. Yeah, we're going to do... We're doing stuff. We're doing some things, some stuff. You might have seen that we've done some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's really most weird. Of, most of it bad. He claims. And this yeah. was uh, in Osaka. He took... Uh, um, was it Sean? Oh no, I, I think it might be Tucker Carlson. Actually, not Sean Hannity. I've got this. I mean, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, whichever, whichever, mm-hmm. whichever ass licking acolyte it was, who he took to Osaka <laughs> with him, it was the, right. the he did this interview with him, and um, yeah, uh, yeah. The 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 question was basically: there's a there's a lot of filth in American cities. You know, right. it's not like here in Japan where everything's clean, and yeah, and yeah. Trump response was yeah that started two years ago like yeah before bef- basically he's saying before i came into power everything yeah, was, was a lot cleaner <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> what what it's a phenomena that started yeah. two years ago that's very precise but also completely ignorant of the fact that he started two years ago it started yeah, yeah. it started in 2017 at which point i was president it's it's yeah. bizarre <laughs> I'm going to maybe what it just kind of trails off. I'm going to maybe, and I'm looking <laughs> yeah. at it very seriously. Yeah, well, you're not some things, some other things. Anyway, which means yeah. that oh, oh, yeah, number two is is indeed one I made up, and therefore, Aha. you are uh, you are now on thirteen, yay, thirty-one. See, I think, yeah, see, that's, it was one of those ones I didn't want him to say it. <laughs> so I didn't want that to be true. So, it's, yeah, it was just completely a gut feel. <laughs> gut feel. But it's, yeah, very nicely written. So, and, but it's a good gag, you see, that um, it's kind of disgusting and I call it hate and you think, okay, oh, that's interesting. Uh, the hate coming from the left <laughs> is so strong. Yeah, it doesn't matter how great I am. It's very nicely written. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's got it does the whole... Uh, two set up gags they've got great reasons made up reasons first it was Russia now it's racism both of which aren't made up so it's perfect Trump like but yeah well, but I saw through your subterfuge to, to fool you so I should have to try again <laughs> <laughs> yeah 13 out of 30 mm. <laughs> yeah. 42% it's not bad yeah, but yeah. 17 of them were good enough to call <laughs> me. And I'd come to patronising with me. <laughs> Thank you very much. You see what happens if you do. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Jeffrey Epstein's Suicide Probably Isn't a Logical Fallacy. So, yeah, look, nice and lighthearted. We'll talk about a, uh, a paedophile committing suicide in prison. And yeah. um, 
yeah, this the surrounding this, conspiracy <laughs> theories. Yeah, yeah, this happened on. Uh, we, we're recording this episode a little bit early because uh, Mark's going away. So the information we have at the moment, where we're talking about it, is up to the sixteenth uh, of of August, and yeah. So there, there will probably be stuff coming out over the next few days and, and before this episode actually goes out where you will probably know more about this than we currently do. But we do already know quite a lot and we also know what response there was uh, on both sides of the political spectrum to yeah. um, the apparent suicide by Jeffrey Epstein. And the, the response was in large part everyone going... Yeah, right. That's very convenient, isn't it? Um, and this is the the most um, bipartisan conspiracy theory I think I've ever seen, yeah. because yeah. both sides are absolutely convinced in in pockets of of both sides that it's definitely he was definitely killed by someone. Um, but but the other side, but yeah, yeah. But, but the Republicans think that the Clintons did it, and the Democrats yeah. think that Trump did it. Um, and it's both of them so think good. it was to avoid Epstein um, kind of spilling the beans on all of the illegal stuff that yeah. their enemy did. And I think in the British press, there's a, there's conspiracies as well because they're kind of you know the the he's, he was a friend of Prince Andrew, mm-hmm. so the conspiracies of the people that bumped off um, Princess Diana are probably involved in order to keep that quiet. <laughs> you know, members of the royal branch of the Illuminati <laughs> are responsible for that. There's a brilliant cartoon I saw in the uh, in the Sacramento Bee uh, on the day it happened on the 14th, and it's there's a, a picture and where the caption says it all. Area 51 sent an alien spacecraft to the grassy knoll to alert Bigfoot to fake the moon landing mm-hmm. and to signal Amelia Earhart to tell the Clintons to eliminate Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> And then Trump's in the other half half of the picture, and he says, "I don't know where people get this stuff, besides me." Yeah, with a uh, holding a um, phone with a, the Twitter bird on it. Yeah. So um, we are generally anti conspiracy theory on this show. We did a whole episode yeah. about it where we had uh, Marsh from the Merseyside Skeptics as a guest, which was brilliant. So do go back and listen to that one to to find out why. These kind of this conspiracy theory thinking is not always logical. Is often not logical. Yeah. The interesting thing about this case is there's a lot of stuff which is coincidental and suspicious. And if you if you look at it all with a with a particular point of view, then it's easy to see why people are, uh, are looking at it and saying, "Well, you know, the the, the mm-hmm. official story, which has only just come out on, on the the evening." here in the UK of the 16th, um, which is yep. that they have ruled it as a suicide, uh, the, the yep. ME's office. Um, and and so there are things in it which you can see why people think that's suspicious. First of all, just the fact that the kinds of conspiracies that have been touted on the other side, like Pizzagate, of, of mm-hmm. very powerful people running kind of child smuggling rings and underage sex rings... This is this is what Epstein was doing. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's a real yeah. thing. So it feels a bit like a conspiracy theory already because it is, you know, a, a cabal of very rich, powerful people taking advantage of young girls and and trafficking and smuggling underage 
prostitutes and people like that so that so it feels already built into a bit of a conspiracy theory mm. but mm. Uh, and yes uh, he probably has a lot of information that a lot of very rich and powerful people would rather didn't come out it's mm. almost certain he wasn't doing it on him on his own he was engaging in this kind of activity with other people and a lot of the people he knew had a lot of money and a lot of power so mm-hmm. yes it's extremely convenient for them that he's dead <laughs> um however there's a huge amount of documentation that that is available and has already been released and, and will continue to be released over the coming weeks and months that will implicate some of these people and the the, the people who helped him to uh, recruit young girls and help to cover up and stuff like that will probably still go ahead in in terms of being prosecuted and and yeah it, this isn't just going away because he died yeah it's not put an end to it is it no. it's not i mean that would be not unreasonable grists to the conspiracy mill yeah. if the entire investigation just stopped and it, but it isn't and hasn't and won't yeah and and, and if it does if Barr says, okay, you know, we without Epstein as a witness now, we don't have enough information to move forward on cases we might have otherwise moved forward on, that would continue to be suspicious. That would make yeah. us think, well, you know, that's that has helped people who would have otherwise been in mm. trouble. But yeah. Various things have come out uh, and and have been rumoured that that actually turned out not to be coincidences or unrealistic, um, which which have fed into this system of of conspiracy theory thinking. So first of all, it was last Saturday, so the eleventh, I think, um, of August, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people. The first thing they said was, "How does someone who's on suicide watch in a federal prison commit suicide?" You know, that's just completely unrealistic. It can't happen. Therefore, conspiracy. But he wasn't on suicide watch. He had been on suicide watch because on July 23rd, he had been found in his cell in a fetal position with bruises on his neck. And he claimed at the time that he was attacked by someone. There was speculation that he had tried to commit suicide. And and so he was put on suicide watch. Um, But he was taken off. Suicide Watch on the 29th of July mm-hmm. at the request of his lawyers. Oh. Probably, to be honest, because it's not a very pleasant way to be. You you have mm. absolutely no privacy. You have no bed sheets or anything. You know, basically the only thing you have in your cell apart from a kind of un, unmade bed is just some toilet paper and you don't have anything else that, for yeah. obvious reasons. You're constantly being monitored. You're being woken up every half an hour in the night to make sure you're okay. And so it seems like he was evaluated at that point. He would have had to have been checked out by a psychologist. He would have had to have been checked out by the, the prison uh, warden and various other people would have, would have weighed in on that decision. It wouldn't have been mm. just because his lawyers said we'd like him off suicide watch and they went, oh, okay, then. There was a whole yeah. process to it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he was presumably deemed at that point not to be a suicide risk. Yeah. However, he wasn't just put into the general population. He was in uh, an area of the prison in the, the um, Metropolitan Correctional Centre in Manhattan called the Special Housing Unit, uh, which 
is for people at risk, basically. Mm -hmm. The protocol of that when there is someone at risk of suicide but not on suicide watch is to have them have a cellmate so that they're not on their right. own and also yep. to have them still be checked every 30 minutes. So they're not constantly being watched, but they're still being checked regularly. That didn't happen. He initially had a cellmate and his cellmate was moved out of his cell at the moment we don't know why uh, on mm. the Friday night. He committed suicide mm -hmm. on the, on the, during Friday night, on Saturday, early Saturday yeah. morning. So his cellmate was moved out on, on Friday night, so he was on his own in his cell, and the cellmate wasn't replaced. They didn't bring in someone else. Yeah. That is, if you are looking at it, assuming conspiracy, suspicious. If you mm. are under the impression that sometimes protocol isn't always followed in, in prisons in all kinds of cases... Um, it's maybe just a coincidence. But that's a thing that led people to, to possibly think there was some nefarious purpose for that. At the moment, as mm. I say, we don't know why the cellmate was moved and we don't know why they weren't replaced with someone else. Protocol also says that they are checked every 30 minutes. There were two guards guarding Epstein that night, the Friday night, and they didn't check on him from 3.30 to 6.30. They supposedly both fell asleep for three hours right again that's a bit suspicious <laughs> <laughs> yeah they then falsified the logs to to make it appear that they had yeah. checked up on him so again it is it is entirely possible that these overworked understaffed prison guards who were both working overtime, one was mm. on his fifth day of overtime, um, wow. were tired yeah. and fell asleep during their shift. Yeah. Because people are yeah. sometimes bad at their jobs. And very tired. Yeah. And staying awake between 3am and 6am. And three being, five days in a row. At, at, at the extent of what we may probably don't consider a conspiracy, but but might be generous towards the, the idea that he wasn't kind of looked after as well as he could be would mm. be the fact that you know it, i wouldn't be surprised if a prison guard who was guarding a, a pedophile of epstein's stature um and fame yeah. would just think well you know what if what if he does kill himself who cares mm. so would they take extra special care to make sure they checked on him every half hour it, it seems not in this case again mm. You mm. can see why that could lead some people to think that's a bit suspicious. Because yeah. it, doesn't but it doesn't take three hours to kill yourself. They didn't need to leave that long. Some people I have seen on Twitter have said, you know, it would be nice to see a toxicology report of the two guards to see if, you know, the fact they both fell asleep for the same three hours they were, is a bit right. suspicious. Yeah. Um, you know, were they drunk? Were they drugged? That kind of thing has, wow. has come up. Yeah. Again, it's it's yeah. all of the every, what conspiracy theory thinking does is it makes you look for any anomaly, anything that that looks a bit odd or a bit out of place, yeah. and, and yeah. you kind of seize on it and think, well, that yeah, that feeds into my narrative. Yeah, and make a narrative to join it all up. Yeah, yeah, and because then if you're uh, looking at it from that particular conspiracy angle, everything is going to be looked at through that lens yeah. rather than. In it on its own merits. So one thing that went round on Twitter was an allegation that the cameras 
that would have been filming uh, Epstein that night were malfunctioning, had had not worked, and and how mm-hmm. suspicious that was. This appears to have just come from a single person who, who mm, without right. a source, put up on Twitter, it you know, alleged malfunctioning cameras, they're very suspicious. And loads wow. of people retweeted it and ran with it and, and news organisations said this is a thing that someone has said. There's no evidence yeah. whatsoever. No. Um, the facility hasn't released specific information of where their cameras are placed and what happens, but various outlets, including, um, I think, TMZ and CNN and New York Post, have spoken mm-hmm. to people with knowledge of the facility who have said that um, cameras aren't trained on the cells. In right. very, very rare occasions, people will have a, a camera pointing directly into a cell to, to watch them all the time. But in most cases, yeah. um, certainly in uh, purely for kind of privacy reasons in, in federal standards, they wouldn't have a, a camera on a cell all the time because it's somewhere where a prisoner might be getting undressed and they don't always guarantee that the person who's watching the thing would be someone of the same gender as them. So right. for that reason... Yeah. They don't have cameras in cells. Uh, they do have the cameras on the corridor leading into the cell and on the door of the cell, apparently, according to these people with knowledge of the facility. And it was <laughs> apparently those uh, that footage that showed that the guards did not check on Epstein during uh, the time right. when they yeah. said they yeah. had checked on him. Yeah, and that led to them being suspended and and us finding out that they claimed they'd fallen asleep during that time. So the so you can't have it both ways. You yeah. can't have the cameras malfunctioning and also providing the evidence yeah, to show that they no were there's no evidence that the cameras had malfunctioned or that anyone no. had ever claimed that they'd actually malfunctioned. It was just one person who who decided, I think, for a bit of clout to put that up. One thing that I find interesting that hasn't I haven't seen mentioned anywhere is mm. that if the cameras covered the, the door to the cell and he was the only person in the cell because he d- didn't have a cellmate. Yeah. I'm not sure why it's taken more than three days for them to say it was a suicide. Because if they mm. have the footage of the corridor, surely they can see if anyone else went in there yeah. or did anything. And if, caused the, yeah. the broken if he neck was bones. In, if he was yeah. on his own in his cell... And they they have footage that shows that no one went anywhere near him during that period. Yeah. Then it's a suicide. I, yeah. So I don't know. They haven't. No one's mentioned that. I haven't seen that anywhere. I haven't seen a a report saying we've you know we've watched the footage. No one else was anywhere near him during the mm-hmm. period that he died. You know that's and that may be part of the medical examiner's um, decision. Um, right. We yeah. don't. We have, they haven't released the text of the decision, but I do know that the, the medical examiner was requesting the camera footage because um, they they have a lot of things that they factor in before they decide whether something's a, a suicide or a homicide. The fact that there hasn't been uh, an announcement to say we have the footage, what that does is play into the conspiracy theorists' hands because in that gap of knowledge, everyone shoves in their own stories. Absolutely. 
you know, to, including the one person who says, oh, the cameras are malfunctioning. That's very convenient. They go, well, uh, can you not see that you've just made that bit up in order to make the join? You're doing the the little leap. You know, how do we get from this scene to that scene? Well, there needs to be this interstitial scene and you just made that up because it's lacking and that, uh, you know, will usher in a whole tsunami of other people agreeing or embellishing it or whatever, um, based on the fact that there's no, nothing been announced, yeah. which, th- yeah, that just it adds to the suspicion. Definitely. Yeah. No, rather um, than just going, oh, why hasn't it been announced? Well, it hasn't been announced because, it, in you know, it's part of the medical examiner's process to do that yeah to be honest as we discussed in our conspiracy theory episode (laughs) Mm. if it had been announced and they had said you know we've got the footage here is the footage of an empty corridor with no one going in or out yeah that would not convince anyone (laughs) no anyone who is determined to to say that you know this is a cover-up and and it's yeah the the department of prisons is is on it yeah they would not be convinced by that because they would say well yeah this is the footage that they're they're releasing how do we know that yes exactly yeah yeah and someone will refer to speed the movie and go well look it was done on the movie half the fact that it was a movie (laughs) then you know it's a made-up story yeah so So even if the time code was available they go well you can fake that yeah exactly so that's not going to convince anyone i still find it interesting that it that they never said that I don't mm. know why, because mm. it would seem to be an easy answer, but it's taken yeah. them a few days to, to get to that. One thing yeah. that the medical examiner does look at, obviously, is um, mm. things like broken bones. And mm-hmm. it was announced yesterday that several bones in Epstein's neck were broken. Mm-hmm. And the hyoid bone uh, is one of those. And that is a kind of U-shaped bone which the breakage of that is more commonly a sign of strangulation rather than hanging. It is right. yep. um, It is very common when people are strangled with, like, manually with hands around their neck to break that yep. hyoid bone. It is less common to break it in, a, in an incident of hanging. It doesn't rule out hanging, but it, it was pointed to in some articles as a... A suspicious thing, a thing which might make people look more. And and several medical examiners have said this is a thing which would make us look more at whether it might be homicide rather than um, okay. a, yeah. A, yeah. A suicidal yeah. hanging. The thing is, the hyoid, hyoid bone it's is quite flexible when you're younger, and mm-hmm. it fuses as you get older, and is becomes more brittle and more prone to breaking and Epstein's 66 oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. and at his point of life it is more likely to break in in a yeah. hanging it still doesn't it isn't an indication that he hung instead of being strangled but mm-hmm. it wasn't the only bone in his neck that was broken there were others and mm-hmm. it is rare right yeah in a strangulation to break other bones other than the hyoid bone right so right the fact that there were other bones broken as well that indicates that maybe he was hung with some force he was found with a bed sheet basically tied around his neck and to, to the top 
part of the bunk bed in his cell. Mm-hmm. And and some have suggested that to get that amount of force, he would have needed to kind of basically leap off the bed rather than just leaning forward until he lost consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely doesn't rule out suicide. And the, uh, the, the multiple broken bones in his neck, according to the medical examiners, point more realistically towards a suicidal hanging than a strangulation. So yeah. all of these things that we've talked about are things which if you look at it with a certain filter mm-hmm. can lead you towards the conspiracy theory and can lead you to to question the official story yeah. none of them individually or in um, aggregate tells a different story <laughs> they don't mm. say he didn't commit suicide they are possibly coincidences possibly suspicious possibly people being bad at their job or not caring about their job Mm. because of who he was and what he did. But certainly we don't have enough information at the moment to say anything other than he committed suicide. And if, and if you have, then it's colored by your political leaning because it's, you know, within the, within the conspiracy theory worlds, there's people saying, oh, the Clintons did it, oh, Trump did it, yeah. the Royals did it, the whoever did it. And it's just, yeah. That, mm. And the Clinton idea, I mean, to be honest, I, obviously our leanings would, would, if we were going to indulge in that kind of thing, lean us more towards Trump did it. But mm. the Bureau of Prisons is run by the Justice Department, which is run by Bill Barr, who works for Trump, suggesting that the Clintons are powerful enough, despite having lost the election, to to get someone killed in a federal prison run by Trump's Justice Department kind of yeah. makes Trump a bit powerless, doesn't it? Makes him seem yeah, like exactly. he doesn't have any control over yeah. anything. He couldn't protect this person um, who who his enemy apparently wanted dead so that seems less realistic to me yeah. that someone who wasn't who didn't have any power in the situation um yeah it's not it doesn't mean it's not possible it doesn't mean it didn't happen it's possible because you know people can can have connections and bribe people and it, yeah it's it's not impossible but the the people who controlled as much as could be control of this situation are the ones who are currently in power. Mm. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. As an international businessman of some repute, Trump refuses to limit his financial crimes to just the US. The Huffington Post has compared official documents filed by Trump in the US and the UK regarding Trump's Scottish golf courses. According to his 2018 public financial disclosure forms to the US Office of Government Ethics, the two courses were worth a combined $100 million and earned an income of $23.8 million that year. However, his filings with the UK's company's house tell a different story, one where the courses lost $6.3 million during that period and claims that they have a combined value of negative $68.4 million. HuffPo found similar discrepancies in previous years and for Trump's Irish golf course at Doonbeg in County Clare. In his attempt to appear super wealthy to the US and very poor to the UK taxman, he's either lied on his financial disclosure forms, which carries a jail term of up to five years, or he's criminally defrauded the British government out of millions of pounds. Or both. Let's face it, it's almost certainly both.
While the rest of the world was reeling at the centre-back racist nature of Trump's speech in Greenville last month, Paul Hardesty, West Virginia's state senator, didn't pay much attention until the third caller on his phone complained about Trump using the Lord's name in vain. When Islamic State militants would be hit so goddamn hard and non-Trump supporting wealthy businessmen would be so goddamn poor. Never mind Trump's two divorces, extramarital affairs and historic support for abortion rights, it's this issue that has recently hit a nerve among white evangelicals who are some of the president's most reliable supporters and constitute much of Hardesty's district. Carelessly invoking the Lord's name in a fit of anger is one thing, said one of the pro-Trump pastors, but repeatedly doing it for shock value, that does raise questions about the president's respect for people of faith. I have questions about his respect for humanity. The quote continues, We all wish he would be a little more careful with his language, but it's not anything that's a deal breaker, and it's not something we're going to get morally indignant about. Well, neither apparently is separating parents from their children and keeping them in cages. What would Jesus have to goddamn say about that, do you think? There's three days between us recording this and you hearing it, so it's impossible to say what Trump's stance will be by then on background checks for gun purchases. After the Dayton and El Paso shootings, Ivanka apparently lobbied for background checks and Donald was totally on board, saying we can do very meaningful background checks like you've never seen and explicitly dismissing the NRA's slippery slope argument against them, saying I don't agree with that. Then, last Tuesday, after he spoke with Wayne Lapierre, head of the NRA, he told reporters, We already have very strong background checks, but there are weaknesses to fix, and then expressed concern that whatever they do, Democrats would want more, and literally called it a slippery slope. Looks like Ivanka's going to have to try harder if she wants to compete with the NRA. Maybe a lower cut top or a tighter dress would do it. Illegitimate, manifestly unfit, corrupt, popular vote-losing US President Donald Trump is eyeballing a new real estate purchase, the Wall Street Journal reports. Greenland! Apparently, Trump has listened with interest in discussions about Greenland's abundant natural resources and asked about acquiring it for the US. Like that's even a thing you can do. Well, without going to war... Greenland is an independent self-governing part of the Kingdom of Denmark, and Denmark has a strict rule on not selling real estate to non-Danes. Perhaps Donny has had his eye on a casino, but was not eligible to buy it. So like Victor Kayam, he thought, hey, I'll buy the whole island. That way he gets to be king and make my own rules, na 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 na. Either that, or he thinks Superman's retreat is real, and that would make a good hideout, and what better place to be cryogenically frozen than in the Arctic Circle while still being able to walk around. Oh no, duh, he's doing that already. Victor Kayam, that's a niche reference. <laughs> Any listeners under 40 should, should just no, no. Google the Remington fuzz away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and they look not dissimilar to um, Jeffrey Epstein, actually. Yeah, we'll get sued for that as well. Last Monday, Trump accused the 80% of American Jews who voted Democrat of showing either a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty. And not a single Republican politician thought that might be a bit anti-Semitic. It also wasn't even the most batshit crazy thing he would say about religion last week. On Wednesday, he sent a series of three tweets quoting conspiracy theorist and evangelical Christian Wayne Allen Root about how much Jewish people love Trump, including saying that they love him like he's the king of Israel, they love him like he's the second coming of God. Then, later that day, while talking to reporters about Chinese tariffs, Trump looked up to the heavens and said, I am the chosen one. 
I know that sounds like I made it up for the fake news game after sustaining a serious head injury, but unfortunately, that one is real. The 1973 Endangered Species Act bans harassing, hurting or capturing species deemed endangered and it requires agencies to enact rules designed to protect their ecosystems. The survival and recovery of the American bald eagle, no less, is attributed to the protection afforded by this act. Trump is, of course, scaling back the act because it's a burden to businesses. But of course, the views of all those dozens of bear fur hat manufacturers and eagle feather pillow stuffing distributors have swayed Secretary of Commerce Wilbur Ross over the hundreds of thousands of objections from scientists, wildlife experts and the American people who overwhelmingly support the Endangered Species Act. A poll by Earth Justice found 90% support it versus seven who don't support it. I can't adjust about the fur and feather brigade, but really to change it so that the regulators are required to take economic costs into account when making decisions related to protecting species from extinction rather than as previously only relying entirely on science in their decision making drives to the very heart of the matter. It will cost the earth and Trump knows all about cost and nothing about value. Depending on your point of view, Sean Spicer has either been rewarded or punished for his six-month role as chief propaganda officer with a slot on the upcoming season of Dancing with the Stars. Spicer will be paid at least $125,000 to make a fool of himself on a weekly basis alongside people who hate him. On a show hosted by a man who has felt the need to make a public statement pointing out he had nothing to do with the casting and was against it from the start. Meanwhile... Sarah Huckabee Sanders has been hired as a Fox News contributor, with her debut performance set for September 6th on Fox and Friends. Normally, former White House staffers are in demand in the job market, but these days the best they can hope for is trying not to mess up a foxtrot or sitting on a curvy couch next to Brian Kilmeade. I think that seems about right. Some good news now. The petition posted on moveon.org asking for the block of Fifth Avenue between 56th and 57th Streets to be renamed after the 44th president has topped 400,000 signatures. If successful, this would mean that the Trump Tower address in New York would be 725 President Barack H. Obama Avenue. A spokesperson for Mayor de Blasio has this reaction. We're always happy to see New Yorkers finding creative outlets for resistance. Ultimately, we'll let the council determine how this should proceed. My reaction is that would be so good. And if you haven't signed it yet, please, oh God, please do sign. (laughs) So that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump. You can also connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallaciousTrump. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye.